Welcome to episode 32 of the Cincy Postcast. This is a fun one. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of fun energy, not gonna lie. There's a lot of nervous energy as well. We run through your decision day scenarios. We know the results. We know what we need to get into the playoffs, and we have that covered for you. We also touch on the Chicago game. What went wrong? Was this a coaching failure? Is this the first real coaching failure we've seen of the Pat Noonan era? And then we round it out with a little MLS discussion. Crew missed their rent. A fourth DP spot. All sorts of fun things coming to MLS. And that is your episode 32. Joining me to talk about all of that, we've got the Chief, we've got Grayson. Gentlemen, we've we've got the stage set now. We know what FCC needs to do. Decision, decision day, day set up. Decision day. We're, we made we it. Have, we have a decision <laughs> to be made on decision day involving FC Cincinnati, and that's not... How fast do you want to fire the manager at the end of this season? Like this is <laughs> this is positive. We're moving in the right direction here. Oh, competitive, important, meaningful matches into I'm gonna sit and call it mid-October. I, I'll 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 quibble with you on that, but boy, <laughs> we are we are well on our way to being a real MLS franchise. Uh to set the table, I I have this. Uh, right here in front of me. I want to make sure I have this this spelled out exactly right. Given the results that happened on Wednesday, uh, FC Cincinnati yesterday, needs a yesterday. yesterday, yes. yesterday, not tonight, not, not while we are recording. Stuff going no. happening on right now. And uh, boy, this is going to be embarrassing if Orlando has the single greatest comeback in MLS history. Um, FCC, a win or a draw will get them into the playoffs. A win or a draw, they're into the playoffs. Should FC Cincinnati lose, so long as there is not a draw in the Columbus-Orlando match, they will also advance. We need a winner out of Columbus or Orlando, and if that happens, FCC will move on no matter what. But again, a win or a draw, they're in. Does that set up the Columbus Orlando? If we just agree to stand around for ninety minutes, we both make the playoffs. Assuming uh, they have to DC assume gets, FC loses. Yeah, if we go down three nothing, they could very well do that. Because that was the <laughs> that situation. Would be a problem. People forget that was the situation at the end of the NFL season. It was I want to say the Raiders and the Chargers, and yes. they went to overtime with the knowledge that a tie would send both of them through to the playoffs. And inexplicably, San Diego didn't just run the clock out when they had the ball. They made an attempt to try and win the game. So then the Raiders went back and was like, all right, well, screw you guys if that's the way it's going to be. They kicked the field goal and eliminated the Chargers in the playoffs when just taking a knee in overtime would have sent both of them through. Wasn't there a a World Cup or a Euros where Germany and Austria um, just kind of like – Germany got like their one goal or something, and then they just yes. passed the ball around the rest of the game because it they was, were both through. It was uh, 
West Germany and Austria, and the third team, the odd team out there, I believe was Algeria. And yeah, it was exactly that. Austria went up one nothing, and because they did three-team groups back in the day, they couldn't have all the teams play on the, the final day of the group stage, and that was exactly it. They knew what result they needed, and... The they it was awful. Like the fans, all of the people in the stadium were like whistling and throwing shit on the field and like trying to like I, I believe at one point like fans ran out onto the field and like tried to plead with the players like please, please play, play a competitive <laughs> game. <laughs> so it, it just turned into like that scene from The Simpsons when soccer comes to Springfield where it's yeah, just passes it, being yes. passed, he passes like, it literally. He passes it. He passes, he it. passes it. He passes it again. <laughs> Uh, you know what's great about that game though FIFA learned their lesson and they abandoned the three team group format for the World Cup forever Uh, they went with four Um, team groups until so that (laughs) 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 yeah until until 2026 where they're bringing three team groups back for some unexplicable reason because they decided 48 teams was uh, the best way to to format a tournament. So this Look is forward to this that is all one. this is all just setting the stage for what I can't wait, which is our off season episode. All of us watching United Passions together, <laughs> the FIFA finance movie that portrays Set Blatter as one of the heroes of global sport. And boy, can I not wait to watch that gem. <laughs> hey, Tim Roth is in it. You got Jared Depardieu in there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be I, a I, good time. When I when I su- suggested that that was going to happen, somebody in the Discord said, "Oh, I guess Tim Roth was behind on back taxes somewhere and needed a quick payday." I think uh, I think Gerard Depardieu has had some tax problems, which is why he's like now a Russian citizen or something. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. I think I'm not. I don't think I'm entirely making this up. I think like Gerard Depardieu <laughs> might be like a Russian citizen now because he had some like tax issues in in France. Well, that was and Russia that was, was like wasn't that Steven yeah, Seagal not, too? That like he it. had a bunch of tax issues and ended up having to do reality television shows where he was a sheriff in some town. Like, you know, you could make still live in Russia actually. <laughs> you know, you could make like one of those uh, surviving R. Kelly shows about Steven Seagal. Oh, for sure. Um, He's I, a crazy person. No, do you remember the there was the reality I'm show? I'm pretty that was sure back Steven the, Seagal has like some women hostages was, or something going there, on. You, there was the reality show back in the day, I'm with Busey, where it was just a dude yes. that was like a massive Gary Busey fan that had to live with Gary Busey for a month. <laughs> yes. And the show was just chronicling how this person realized his hero was a total psychopath. <laughs> I, I would yes. I would pay to watch that same show with Steven Seagal as he taught so, someone how to do martial arts. So Gerard Gerard de Purdue. Oh man. I, I'm not I'm gonna gloss over his legal problems in France. Okay? Okay. But I am gonna say that there is a section of his Wikipedia page on citizenship. Oh, okay. And he is both a citizen. Uh he handed back his French passport. Okay. Or he said he was. I guess I don't know that he actually did. Um, he has. He is a citizen of Russia. Okay. He is a cultural ambassador for Montenegro. Okay. Uh, setting of, That's I think, list. Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, and in February 2022, Depardieu revealed that he had become a citizen of the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> although he did not specify when this occurred. 
So like you know he's, he's just uh, like one more punch card on the axis of evil from the free toaster oven, it sounds like. I don't or, think it's maybe it's not a coincidence, but maybe it is a coincidence. I don't know. But I just started watching that new interview with the vampire series, and this is not a spoiler. <laughs> the vampire being interviewed happens to live in the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> so the, the 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 vampire that can't go out during the sunlight lives in the desert. He's got special. He's got special windows, man. You gotta watch. It's really good. So he's high recommend. High recommend. So he's, by the way, and the, always... pilot, the pilot blew my mind. I thought it was incredible. So I've never really seen all of the Twilight movies all the way through. They're one of those movies where I always seem to like flip by them whenever they're on, and it always bothered me beyond the horrendous Mormon propaganda that's contained within the books that vampires shouldn't exist in the sunlight. They should just die. That always bothered me that there were vampires that could exist while the sun was out. Like my yeah, ex- except for energy vampires. Well, yeah, that that we found, those are found exclusively in the workplace. Those aren't found. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was also going to note: is Gerard Depardieu the biggest name that you can like actor name that you can think of where you can't name a single movie he was in? Man in the, the Iron Mask. Head? That was really oh, that quick. Sh- that was, but those are just like. I don't know. I'm sure he was in a a, a movie about the uh, the Three Musketeers as well. That's just like yeah, I think all French French the man in the Iron all Mask French is not the Three Musketeers. Right. right. Yeah. Like, okay. So it's, it's just like, like standard. Right. Next, you're going to tell me that famous <laughs> British actor was involved in a Shakespearean production at some point in his youth. Yes. <laughs> well, wasn't wasn't Gerard Depardieu also in the Asterix and Obelix movies? I, you say yeah, that you like I know what there. that means. Yep. I got nothing. <laughs> all right. Not anyway, so Miami here. is beating. Anyway, Miami is beating Orlando four to one. It's looking pretty good for the FC. I think um, Gerard Depardieu is famous because it's just really fun to say Gerard Depardieu. Depardieu, yes. Um, if you had to guess, like, do you think he sound would play like Olivier Giroud if he was a soccer player? Also, so, like a tragically French-sounding individual. I will was say, he in Marseille, the TV show about the corrupt? Soccer program was that him? I, I could be wrong about Ooh, that. But Olivier Giroud or Gerard Depardieu? I'm getting confused now. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> you know, the, with the with the playoff race, uh, I know we all wanted to um, clinch last weekend, or essentially clinch last weekend. But um, the the flip side, um, did you hear about this? HBO is making a new series on mm. um, how oh, really that's, that's how strange. Long- I heard they were bankrupt. <laughs> on, on, HBO is making a new series on how long this uh, this uh, uh, playoff uh, race is taking. They're calling it uh, House of the Drag On. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Boo! Ouch! Ouch! Boo. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I, it is weird. I don't know. Is it is it there are too many playoff spots or is it that there wasn't enough cross-conference competition, but it did feel like way too much was still up in the air way too late. Like It's too many teams, no, shit, the, too many no. teams shit the bed down the stretch. Like You have yeah. way too many of the teams that were fighting for playoff spots that just didn't play well over these last couple of weeks. I mean, FC Cincinnati, we could have been in a position very easily right now where we already had our ticket punched and everything was all settled, but instead we limped through that Seattle game. We limped through that Chicago game and played lifeless for 80 minutes of the game. And yet still somehow by the grace of whatever deity you believe in that 
there are, what, nine possible outcomes for the games that matter on decision day, and eight of the nine are positive for FC Cincinnati, I think? Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. The, the one scenario that is bad for FC Cincinnati in, in all the permutations is this. It's that if FC Cincinnati loses and Columbus and Orlando tie, if those two things happen, we are eliminated on a tiebreaker. The first tiebreaker being wins in which Orlando would be able to pass us. That because is, Columbus that goes is one point go. ahead of us despite having fewer wins, and then we are tied yes. with Orlando. No, Columbus, has... is, Columbus is tied with us on points. No, they would with the tie. With the tie, yes. They would go above us, and then right. the wins tiebreaker wouldn't matter any longer. Which is just, as we've said previously, more proof that wins is the dumbest tiebreaker you can possibly have for it, how to decide. It doesn't. Things. It doesn't unbalance the schedules. Is the killer for me. So I guess the thought is that goal difference would be too rewarding to teams who play bad teams in the other conference because it would rack up goals. Well, so but wins. wins does so the same wins. thing, right? So you need to do like uh, again, take a page out of. Uh, uh, La Liga, if the first uh, tiebreaker is head-to-head, that eliminates any cross-conference issue. You would just take our our collective record against Orlando. Um, you know, if we're tied on points, so we each traded a win, then you do by goal difference, and then you can we go into Orlando individual twice. tiebreakers there. But what? We, we beat Orlando, Orlando twice, twice. Which is we why beat, we should be ahead of them, yes. We beat Miami once. And tied Miami once. So we would have head-to-head on Orlando and Miami. Conversely, we would not have head-to-head on Columbus, which is the team that we do have the tiebreaker on currently. Also (laughs) worth pointing out that uh, we have a positive five goal differential to Orlando's negative (laughs) ten. They've lost 14 games to our nine. By every measure other than wins, we are a better team than Orlando, and it's absurd that we would potentially lose a tiebreaker to them. Like, like you have to work hard to find a tiebreaker that allows Orlando to seem like they're the better team than Cincinnati this year. You would you would think that, uh, that determining you know who finishes ahead of another person – would simply be based on who got more points than the other person or who scored more goals than the other person or who got more <laughs> votes than the other person. But this is the United <laughs> States of America. Yeah. And so and so we have to have, you know, something weird like, right. oh, no, no, no. We're just counting states or we're counting right. wins. So like at least we, we don't have like a selection committee deciding who makes the playoffs. <laughs> if we went to Florida and challenged the results of this and said that this was stolen, I guarantee you we'd find a sympathetic year somewhere in their state government. I I you was thinking Florida, about this. Stay here. I, I was <laughs> I'd started to do this in a in a text message. I was trying to think of all of the things that led us to not clenching tonight, and I was thinking like if. Uh, Etienne Jr.'s goal was correctly ruled offside. We would have clinched tonight. If, or a goal last weekend was cr- correctly ruled offside. If Yuya Kubo's foul was, was called, we would have we would have clinched tonight. Yeah, Andrew Gutman <laughs> called offside. Andrew. It's a uh, it's a very literally annoying game any to play. officiating whatsoever <laughs> in the NYCFC match. <laughs> the the ball Brenner's, that, Brenner's, Brenner's goal back that was caught, goal. 
Yeah, the back heel goal from Brenner. That's called in. We clinched tonight. So the what, phantom yeah. handballs. The the Junior Moreno egregious foul at the top of the box. <laughs> Jesus. It's a it's an annoying game to play. And yes, it had had FC Cincinnati in Dax McCarty the most handball. Yeah. Yeah, right. If FC Carol Cincinnati had actually it. goes on international duty the way he's supposed <laughs> to and isn't Christ. held back. That's it's an old pain, but I feel it again. Yeah, the back. DC United home opener. Yeah, just the if they had PK. just decided to show up. Oh, Sergio Santos finishes PK. one time. One. Just one. <laughs> one Anyone, time in pick, any game. Pick your one. <laughs> if Brenner doesn't show up out of shape and not giving a shit. If OB signed in the winter and not in the ah. spring. Jesus if Christ. We just would have gotten Matt Miazga in just a little sooner. Just a little sooner. A if only earlier. someone was advocating that we bring Matt Miazga in just a little sooner. Or referees treated Lucho like the way they treat Americans and Europeans. Jesus. Yeah. Or Kubo, for that matter. If oh, free God. Lucho would have worked, if the silent protest would have gotten him off suspension just one game earlier. <laughs> the good news is he appreciated that. And he you did. know what? I'm accounting that to his uh, increase in form after that. <laughs> it's I, I still like the the Cincinnati sports fan in me, and I have to get this out of my system, but the Cincinnati sports fan in me Please. still is like they're going to find a way to that one outcome that, that, that fucks <laughs> us. But having said that, it's so – it's fun to be here, but so frustrating to look back and think that this team, it's weird. Like, if you add up all of, like, the things that just barely went against us versus the things yeah. that barely went for us, the ledger is so unbalanced in the yes. against us phase that I feel like this team is a lot closer to being a great team than being a bad team. And that's really weird and offers no sort of, like, well, moral <laughs> victory right now. I'm still on edge thinking about this game this weekend, but fuck like there, when you list it out like that, it's been a hard season yeah. for being a good yeah. season. <laughs> so with the, with the Cincinnati fandom thing coming into the games tonight, I was convinced. I was convinced that Charlotte was going to win out and make the playoffs and take and take the play, take the, the because that was like the most <laughs> absurd result, right? right like Charlotte right. wins out. We tie on Sunday. We lose the tiebreaker to Charlotte. I was, I was, I was like, I was like, oh my god, that's going to happen. So the fact that the fact that Charlotte tied tonight, not just tied, right, but like kept playing oh, yeah. to the whistle, yeah, and stole, got that, stole the got meaningless that tie, tie against Columbus. Stole the meaningless tie. It, it just gives me that that little bit of hope that I need. That like, yes, like something good can happen right yeah yeah but which, which maybe makes the letdown on sunday worse yep. Here, but here's, here's i'm gonna hold problem. on to that kernel of hope i'm that little kid at the end of the last jedi just bringing <laughs> that broom taking God. that broom right so i can right. do my slave job a little bit faster yeah i'm just like luke skywalker at the end of that movie where i just get very fatigued and die like <laughs> with all sorts of things left to do in the universe. I just like, I'm kind of tired right now. I'm just going to go ahead and blink out here. Not being a hero. Um, I don't feel like adulting today. Disappear no, into the, universe. no, I, I, my X wing, my X wing is still down at the bottom of the ocean. Like adulting. 
I don't feel like it, man. Me. Oh, my God. Me, man of action that spent three movies running off to do whatever needed to be done without a second thought in the world. I'm just going to go ahead and sit here because life's hard and just, you know, croak right here on this rock. Not until I've had my blue milk. Right. My blue alien. Straight from, straight from the animal teeth. My blue alien titty milk right there. Very important scene in Star Wars history. Just that, just... <laughs> Rian Johnson just kicking me right in the dick. Like my childhood oh. right there, right in the right in the wiener. But oh having, my god, having yeah, said Last, that, Jedi, Last Jedi was a good movie. It was trash, re- re- and everyone really, likes it as a trash person. And really, really good, irredeemably movie. terrible. Such hey, this movie. this villain that we've introduced, and it's all intriguing as to what his story is. Nothing yeah, we're just going to cut him. About that we're just going to cut him in half. We're just going to cut him in half. He sucked so oh, he, no, much. No, he sucked because he got chopped in half like a bitch before you found out anything no, interesting about him. he sucked because he was... No, he sucked. They could have written him to be initially. anything. And instead, it he just sat there. He could have been interesting. And instead, he sat there and didn't notice that he was being chopped in half from across the room. Well, I can tell you that they were never going to write him to be interesting. Right, because, because Rian Johnson is a hack. He's a hack. No. Because he was introduced in the movie that J.J. Abrams did. And if J.J. Abrams was going to do anything interesting, he would have done it in the third movie. And clearly he had nothing interesting going on in the third movie. I still don't understand to this day how you pay $5 billion for a movie franchise and announce you're making three new movies and don't write them all ahead of time. Like At there least was no- an outline. There was nothing stopping them from writing the script for all three and then going and filming them. This has been done successfully by many people, including Peter Jackson with The Lord of the Rings. Um, but not with The Hobbit. Not, well, you know, victim of his own success. Or But here's the thing. Star Wars already did this. The Thrawn series was already a successful sequel series. Just, just trilogize do that. that. Just do that. <laughs> just do the Thrawn series. <laughs> No, what they really should watch is soccer, because allegedly this is a yes. soccer podcast. Yes. Uh, are we gonna sit here so, and ignore are we gonna ignore the fact that this weekend in DC, the yes. wooden spoon winning team will go up against the team that is in desperate need of a result to pres- to protect its playoff ambitions. And Oh no. Once Last again, like happened was remember the night. Remember the will will a new set of nine be remembered as a result of this weekend with FC Cincinnati playing the disappointed walking out of the stadium role? Like I love the symmetry, but it also I'm horrified by the thought. <laughs> well, I think I think DC would like to forget their nine right now uh, because he's. I think I think they did forget him back in Greece while he yeah, sorts he's out just, whatever. He's just hanging out in Greece while uh, we try to figure out what what. What happened? Yeah, if people are not aware, yeah, Taxi Taxi Fountas is their star player. He's virtually the only player capable of doing anything on their team. Uh, accused of dropping uh, some the bad, <clears throat> the bad one, the big one, the big bad racial word, uh, racist word, and the Ron Yon's <clears throat> word. <laughs> he went full Ron Yon's. Probably Ron Yon's word. But he wasn't uh, Which, singing. again, you talk about parallels to 2019 and Ron Yon's tour of uh, whatever it was, like slavery museums trying to get the team hyped up or whatever. <laughs> At least we forget that trip. Uh, but uh, Fountas has been asked to basically not rejoin the team while these investigations are going on. Uh, 
he is still, as of recording, not in the United States. I would bet at this point he's not coming back. Uh, DC has already clinched the wooden spoon at this point. And it has to be like a bl- it has to be a blind spot yeah. for Wayne Rooney managing a team that is already in last place. It's not fighting for relegation or anything like that. This has to be a foreign concept to yeah. someone who came up in the European system. It's like, wait, you're telling me this match means nothing and yeah. we're not fighting for relegation. We're not trying to save our lives. We're just going through the motions. Like, yeah, all right, well, yeah. fuck it. Why yeah. not? Uh, He's been giving starts to lots of teenagers. I believe a week or two ago, they had like one of the youngest lineups ever in MLS history. A lot of like 16 year old kids getting their starts under Rooney right now. Please, 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 (laughs) please. Hey, they still have Christian Benteke if you're yeah. uh, if you're a big Premier League fan, so he'll probably start. I, I could see that happening. Um, Score three goals I on mean, this. He's gonna he's gonna Iguain us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the table is happening. set. I mean, you, you set aside the Cincinnati nature of this. The table is set for FC Cincinnati to play a really bad team, missing its best player youngsters a coach that doesn't this really is, know how to this, navigate i've seen this. this movie so many times like oh wait all you're saying we have to do to make the playoffs is just not lose to the worst team in the league well could possibly go wrong that would be absurd um we should probably just go ahead and talk about the chicago game because we have to it was the biggest game in fc cincinnati's mls history it was biggest set game, up on a biggest game since I would say the New York Red Bull Open Cup match. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I guess I guess it depends on how much you value USL playoff games against Nashville or New York Red Bulls too. But no, this was this was an important one, and granted, the results they needed in order to clinch that night didn't end up happening. But this was a night where they could have clinched the playoffs if the results had gone right. A draw would have been an okay result, as we learned tonight. Would have actually we did, clinched we the playoff tonight. With a draw, and uh, they didn't just lose; they looked pathetic. They looked not up for it. They looked. They didn't- they mentally look, weak they didn't look pathetic they just looked tight they looked yeah, like a team yeah, maybe that's a the way. entire game where the moment was too big where yeah, yeah every single player on that field knew that we win we're in and th- that energy wasn't just the players it was in the stadium too like you could just feel the tension in that place and it just felt like from jump the team was wound tighter than a pocket watch. They missed a couple of really easy chances, mm-hmm. um, a couple of crosses where it's like I, I've watched them on replay and I still don't understand how a few of them didn't find someone to score. Yeah. And there was this feeling that I had, and I don't know if you guys had the same thing, where it was like I thought in that first half they were going to win like 1-0, but that one goal was going to be impossible to get. And if they could just get that one, they might score 10. But just they yeah. were it, they were so tense. And to me, he's done an incredible job this year. And I love the man to death. And I hope he coaches here forever. But that was not a great outing for Pat Noonan in terms yeah. of being a man manager. Like, not a tactical thing, 
not a who do you have on the field because they had their best 11 on the field, but just in the build-up to that game, just having that team loose and ready to play and not just focus singularly on this idea of, oh, my God, this game means everything. And that, that happens when you play a inferior team and you don't finish. Is the longer the more chances you have yeah. that you don't finish, the more you tighten up and the other team loosens up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They you're and, playing for everything. They're playing for nothing. Right. And yeah. um man. Uh yeah, I, I <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Clear, like remembering it's, this, it's tough. It was just, yeah, it was a tough watch because you could feel it, was, it. You could feel just how every chance felt like the end of the world. Like, oh, really? Yeah, you could feel it for the players. You could feel it for the fans as well. Like the fan base brought a lot of nervous energy to this game, and I don't, I, I don't blame them after nope. being traumatized for three years i think it's fair to assume the worst um and until we see like consistently good teams for a couple of years i think it's going to take a little bit to get all, all those wooden spoons washed out of our system there but i yeah, mean this sure it was, helps to like bring it to the game yeah it was probably a tactical error um but i, I just hypothetically <laughs> yeah, you know if, if somebody, if somebody had done that but the uh, I, I think, Chief, your point is exactly right, that that this is a situation that Noonan has not been in yet uh, as a player or a coach. I, I don't think he's been in a situation where he's had to turn around such a bad team and they're playing in such a huge moment like this that would just finally, you know, be the crowning achievement on an epic, epic turnaround of fortune. And it just and got away home. from him. At home, sellout right. crowd, and it's like you knew that every single player on that field wanted to win that game in that building because everyone knew what that place was going to be like if they won. And there yeah. are a few guys, more than a few guys, that lived through the Yopstam era at FC Cincinnati that have seen the turnaround happen. And you've got guys like, uh, like I think about Lucho Acosta where he was challenged by this coaching staff to be better, to yep. be a leader on the field. He was given the captain's armband, and Lucho has taken a lot of stuff personally this year. He took that 5-0 loss to Austin yes. really personally. By all accounts, and by the way he was behaving on social media, he took that suspension he got really personally. Like, this means a lot to him. Brandon Vasquez is another guy where toiling in obscurity on this bench finally gets an opportunity to prove himself, earns a big contract. You could tell Brandon Vasquez wanted this. And I'm just, they're the big examples, but everyone wanted this to happen right then. And the more it didn't, the tighter they played. With every opportunity they missed, the tighter they played. And my only, like, takeaway from all this is that on one hand it's bad we didn't get the result it would have made things a lot easier but on the other hand maybe your hope is is that they experienced what that was like there and 
by all the reporting from Laurel and Pat, they took it real hard in the locker room too. Both of them took pain, like both of them in the reporting, like took pains to point out that the team looked like shit sitting in the locker room after the game. Like they knew what they had just missed an opportunity and that maybe this is something that they learned from and that going into DC in an even more pressure filled situation that maybe now they're better equipped to deal with it. Having experienced what it was like to fail in that situation as well. I don't know. Yeah. Cincinnati has had better away form this year than home form. And I do wonder if there's some degree of like performance anxiety in front of in front of TQL Stadium. And if they don't do better going on the road to DC and ideally, hopefully, probably being on the road uh for a couple of games in the playoffs. Like is is you, this team just better without those expectations on them? Do you think the team picks up on that? Do you think the team picks up on like that how nervous that building felt? that night probably do you, do you tune that out as a player or do you look around and be like man because i could feel it in the crowd just that nervous yeah. energy of everyone like kind of on edge every play like i wonder to what extent the players even pick up on that or if they're just in the, they're in that athlete you know state yeah. and just in the you flow feel and- it you, you definitely feel it on misses because when when things are going good and your team misses a shot, it's a lot of like, awesome, that was so good, like we almost got him there. And then when you have a game like this, it's, fuck, oh, God, it's, it's way more angry that the shot didn't go in and way less happy that you got a shot off. <laughs> I, it was, I, it was, <laughs> I, I just wish... I wish that I wish for the fan base we would have had that release moment at the game. Yeah. Just yeah. I feel like the city deserves it to a large extent that they're still with this team. The they're still selling the building out for a game after the team's been as bad as they are. They're still showing up. People are still drumming, singing, setting smoke off. The casual fan base is still seems to be with this team and it, it just I guess we'll wait for that to next year or we'll We'll celebrate while watching TV this weekend, hopefully. But just, I really, I really wish that the home fans would have gotten that moment because I think it would have been something really special to watch. Even yeah, if, I, even not knowing we we were clinching, like just the win would have been big. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think the fa- I think man, I do think the fans deserve it, but I think that it's going to be real tough if this team doesn't make the playoffs because I think the players deserve it, the staff deserves it, the fans yep. deserve it. They have gotten raw deal after raw deal, bad break after bad break. And like, yes, Lucho should have taken his suspension personally because I'll say it. He is not treated the same as as a South American player or maybe as a Cincinnati player, but I'll say it as a South American player. I'm not sure he's treated the same as an American player or a, a European player. I mean, I hear people talk about how our team complains after calls. Chris Mueller was losing his mind the entire yeah. game, screaming yeah. at the ref. At one point, he walked up to the ref and like thrust his elbow in the ref's face to try to demonstrate that he had been like elbowed or something. And it yeah. was actually nothing that happened. But he walked up to the ref. <laughs> that was a confrontation. Like if yeah. I had been in the ref's position, I would feel like I had been assaulted. Right. And this guy just gets to keep doing that all game. 
Um, Chris Mueller, Dax McCarty, Michael Bradley is a yep. big one. Yeah. And then you had uh, Chichos, uh, Headbutt, Barrial. I mean, I don't... Yep. If, if, if what Lucho did to Aaron Long was a headbutt, Chichos definitely headbutt Barrial. He went at him, he moved his head down, and he made contact forehead to forehead. Uh, I watched, I was sitting on the sideline, I saw it live, and when the, I saw the ref pull a red card, I assumed it was going to Chichos. Because mm. I, I can't believe, they, they have no legitimacy that the disciplinary committee didn't do anything with that. And meanwhile, Lucho ends up with a, with a three-game suspension in the middle of the season. That is insane. Yeah. And then and Santos, Lucho gets a, a, a an additional fine after this game. Yeah, by the way, and Miazga got a fine for yep. go, for for stopping a guy from for stopping a guy from like headbutting his you know, for intervening after a player in the other team headbutts his teammate. And just like right. no no situational awareness from the officiating crew or from MLS that like this is the biggest game in the club's history and like it was an emotional game and anyone an official on the field should be able to tell this is an emotional game. And, like, we're not going to start throwing red cards and yellow cards out for this. We're not going to start fining people for shit like this. It, it was a – at the yeah. very least, if you're not going to give the card to the right person, then don't give a card at all. Right. Like just let right. thing. if you, they hadn't given cards to that point in the game anyway. Like, you had right. Chicago playing negative football right out Kubo of the shoot. got shoot. a card, I think, for winning the ball. Right. Yeah. You had yeah, Spencer it, Ritchie, a human rain delay every time he had the ball. Jesus. You had people falling down trying to just waste time from jump. Just I understand had watched, the yeah. environment. We had spent all season watching Alec Can and Roman Celentano get yellow cards for time wasting. Yep. And, and Spencer Ritchie, God love the guy, from the first whistle. Yeah, first play. The first 45 was seconds. Yeah, was 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 time wasted, and he didn't. I don't think he got a yellow card at any point in that game. No, yeah. of course not. <clears throat> Maybe he did. I don't know. No, but he did. It's FC Cincinnati. He's not going to get a card. And, he plays against um, us. And, and it's normally, not just, time it's wasting not just this, isn't a. Yeah, go ahead. It's not just like the difference between you know the time wasting or how different players were treated during this altercation. The refs were sloppy the entire game. There yes. was that quick. There was that quick uh, uh, free kick in the first half where Brenner got mauled, and just neither ref was prepared for there to be a free kick. Neither one was watching the play. I was sitting, right. I was sitting on that side of the field, and I watched the refs just look at each other and just like kind of shrug at each other, clearly indicating that Jeez. neither one was watching. Um, Jeez. On Chicago's third goal. I was directly in line with where – well, not directly in line, but I was really close in line, and I could see the guy was offside. The ref was behind me. He was behind the play, and he wasn't – he was not in line with the play at all. And then the fact that you're like, well, you know, the guy, the, the bodies are cut off on the, on yeah, the angle. On the replay. So you can't really Ugh. tell. Well, one, I think you can assume that the bodies are going – in the direction that bodies go and not just like kind of like suddenly just like turning in like strange places. Yeah, like physics are uh, still real here. Like, yeah. Or or Nick Hagelin's like foot like isn't a, suddenly 10 feet long. Like we're in a Dali painting. And two, I'll go back to it. 
when the uh, the penalty kick was taken away against NYCFC, the defender's arm was obscured. Yeah. Right. So I'm just tired of I'm I'm tired of this saying that like you that if you can't see it on the video angle, then we can't make any assumptions or any like reasonable inferences based on what's happening because it's just not being reason. It's just not being evenly applied. Right. Cause you, if you just, can't see the defender's hand, you right. can't tell me he's still not making contact with Santos is in the box. <coughs> you, you just, yeah. Pick a standard and stick to it and just apply that everywhere. You know, like, like having a thing called the laws of the game might imply you would do. <laughs> yeah. They hide that information in books. They don't want you to really know about it. <laughs> Oh, just just so frustrating. It was, it was frustrating, and like I just to to put a summation on my thoughts, but just I just I hate I hate the city missed that. I hate the players missed that because I mean they the players there's a lot of them that you, they really have been here through the full gamut of emotions as a Cincinnati player, and to yeah. move from where we were a year ago a year ago where Tyrone Marshall is an interim head coach and we're desperately mired in a losing streak that would last the rest of the year all the way out to now that they're in a position on decision day to control their own destiny and clinch a playoff spot. Just, it's an incredible, it's an incredible glow up for what is largely the same group of people. And I wish we could have given them the opportunity to show them as a fan base, how cool it is that, they stuck with the program. They bought into what Noonan was doing, and they didn't just come into this year ready to mail it in and find new jobs someplace else and really gave yeah. this first-time manager a full vote of confidence in what he was doing, stepped up to the plate, and gave this city something to give a shit about. And I, I, I think – I hope that for the players that are still around next year that we can do something like that as a fan base in that first home opener – but a lot of them are a few more than a few of them aren't going to be here for that. And I think of guys yeah. like Yuya Kubo, who embraced every role that he had on this team, <laughs> and he's been given a lot, <laughs> and he's been given a fuckload of them, and has done it with you know with some style and some grace, if not you know great performances. Um, there's a chance that Brenner won't be back next year. I mean, we we yeah. Don't know what the situation on that is, and hell, guy, Vasquez could have an offer come in, sure. Right, and I just I wish there would have been that moment of joy to end the home season versus the utter frustration of an opportunity missed and everyone just sort of not. I'm speaking for myself, not in a great mental place walking out of TQL Stadium. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I feel like I have to point this out. I had successfully smuggled in an entire box of buskin cookies for us it was at my seat ready to go we had a lovely photo op with uh uh, me and a couple of buddies uh (laughs) with with the frish's big boy and um oh it was a shame it's a shame we didn't get to pull it off I, I think we'll I think we'll have to pull it off at, at some point this off season just just because we talked such a big game about this. Um, <clears throat> before we move we move on I I guess this is moving on I I do want to touch on this DC game on Sunday. Uh, t- 
two things jump out at me immediately. One is this is a huge coaching test for Noonan. This is his opportunity to correct the the wrong of this Chicago game in that the team needs to be up and ready to go from yes. kickoff for this. There, there is no opportunity to sit back, play scared, go down one nothing, no. and then fight like hell for the last 30 minutes. They that, have to score the first that goal. That can't happen. They have yeah. to score the first goal in this game. They cannot get into that same position they got in this game where the game kept lingering and the worry and the the pressure kept mounting on someone to do something. Because if there is a Achilles heel with this team, it's that there's a lot of guys that when they feel the pressure to do something, they try to do too much. That yep. this isn't a great team at playing within itself. And guys like Lucho and Brandon uh, Vasquez, you can see when they start to press and the results aren't always great for that. So to me, yeah. there's one key and one key alone to this D.C. game is that they have to score first, that that first goal has to be an FC Cincinnati goal. Yeah, I I go along with that 100%. I'd say along with that, my my other point with this is I, I would make two changes, I guess technically three changes to the team. One, I think Kubo has earned a starting spot over Junior Moreno these last four, four games or so. He offers more an attack. I'm not scared of DC's attack. I would start Kubo over Moreno and I would move Bariel over to the right instead of Powell. And I would put Mata starting on the left. I think dead ball situation, I think free kick wise, Bariel and Lucho aren't it. Mata gives us something that those guys don't. That's, I mean, it's another thing we're really missing Madunian in for. He he had really great delivery for the most part. I think Mata gives us that. So Vasquez, you know, the the most fouled striker in MLS. The last time I looked up that stat, uh, he he's he's still on this team. He can he can get fouls outside the box. Put it in Mata's uh, hands, uh, proverbially. Actually, just put it on his foot. And uh, I think we're in a much better spot. I don't. I don't know. Is that crazy, Grayson? Would you disagree with that? I know a lot of people don't like Barriol on the right. Um, I, I don't like <laughs> like like Barriol on the right. At least not to not to start the game. Yeah. Um, I would agree that that Kubo has earned a start over Moreno. Um, because I just think I just don't think. Uh, Junior Moreno has been has been all that good. Um, no, I uh, I apologize for not having uh, more to say to this question because I was distracted <laughs> because apparently Caleb Porter is on one in the press conference after the game tonight, <laughs> uh, pitching a fit that Charlotte's oh, first goal should not have stood. Uh, oh, and imagine that see- someone scoring a goal that shouldn't have stood. And Couldn't- he's he's. Uh. He's crying about the referees at the press conference, saying the goal shouldn't have stood. I can't really tell why um, from Twitter. I didn't watch the game. Uh, I did find one account that said the ball may have been slightly moving when the free kick was taken. And to that I say, that happens all the time every game. I say, yeah. shh. <laughs> That's what I say. Oh. Um, your other que- uh, your lineup choice, Kevin. I I don't 
the Kubo Moreno thing, I said he's a 50 50. I like the idea of bringing Moreno off the bench to kill off a game if we're up mm, yeah. um, as fresh legs. But to me, this is not a game where you tinker with the formula. Like you mm. challenge the guys that you had to be better and play better and go out there and execute. Um, this is yeah. a this is a lineup that has played good soccer. This is a lineup that didn't prior to this past weekend lose a match other than one match in over three or four months was the only match they lost for that Columbus game. You challenge yeah. them to be better. You challenge them to play the way they're capable of playing, and I don't think you tinker with it too much, honestly. Yeah, I don't think you tinker with it too much. I think that there's yeah. a really good – I think you have a really good idea, or you have a really good feel for who the best 11 has been all season. And yeah. let's go, right? Yeah. yeah. Put him out there. And let's just let's just fucking win the yeah. thing. This is you pull Lucho Acosta aside this week tonight or tomorrow night before the trip, and you're like, "This is you. Go do it." Same thing to Jeff Cameron. Go do it. Um, Brandon yeah. Vasquez. Go do it. Just don't think about it. Just go do it. And no. these are our guys. And I I would rather not make the playoffs with our best eleven, our best guys that got us to this point, than try to fuck around and tinker on the outside. And then something go wrong. Go do it with the guys that brought us here. Um, absence, one of them looking terrible in training, but these are these are the yeah, guys I mean, that gave us the results. You know, health also. Yeah. Like stuff, no. stuff happens. But you guys said no tinkering. <laughs> <laughs> if, Put them out Nick there with Hagman a sprained hurt, ankle. You just <laughs> you just leave that spot open to start right. the game. <laughs> oh no, I, I I'm. Honestly, I'm excited. I, I mean, look, nervous energy aside, I, I think this is going to be a, a fun, a fun weekend of watching soccer. I think it's going to be exciting to have. I, I have no idea what the decision day sort of like presentation is from whatever platform we'll be watching. I would love a live table the whole time. That would be really helpful. Uh, may just have one up on my laptop uh, wherever I may end up. Um, you know who I feel sorry for yeah. on decision day. I feel sorry for the dumb son of a bitch that planned to go be in Florida at an NFL game, <laughs> not realizing it was decision day. Oh, you could have made a whole weekend in DC with the Bengals playing in Baltimore. Like, yeah, I don't know if you could get there fast enough, but I feel like you could pull it off somehow. You, you could take a cab. DC yeah. cab. That was also the way I got through a bunch of math tests in high school too. <laughs> uh, Terrible Scantron joke. No, I, I regret nothing. I'm going to go see Tom Brady play, and I'll have the match on my phone, and I'll drain two batteries doing that, and that'll be fun. How's, how's, Tom, how's Tom doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rough week in the Brady household. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got like a – fuck it. We've talked about everything else in this podcast. I have a really deep conspiracy theory that the purpose of the divorce between Brady and Giselle, it's not real. Brady is putting the rumors out there that they're getting divorced because – this is his way of luring Rob Gronkowski back because he can say, bro, I need a place to stay. Do you mind? Giselle's kicking me out. And while I'm here, you want to go lift some weights and come back and play tight end because our pass game has been terrible without you over the middle. You know, do it for me. I'm, I'm at a low point right now. I need my bro on the is, field and on the team with me. Does Does Giselle still model? Is she still Is she still making income? I have no idea. I I think I think not. yes. I think that there's like I think she was so not. she was so famous, especially yeah. down in South America, 
that like she has a post modeling career where it's just like she does covers of things and doesn't even need to be like the supermodel yeah. look. She's the celebrity now, not the model. Right. Yeah. Like I was the, gonna say if she's like not she's, if she's not like a like a model anymore, they could be getting divorced so that she can qualify for student loan forgiveness. <laughs> I'm always blown away by, and this is like another super nerdy reference, that the, the I, I'll reveal my age when I say this, that like to me, when I think of supermodel, the person I always think about is either Heidi Klum or Rebecca Romaine uh, yeah. from back in the day. And now yes. one of those two is the first officer on a Star Trek show, which is just like <laughs> fucking mind boggling. <laughs> so maybe Giselle is off. You know, maybe she's going to start, you know, be on some Brazilian sci-fi show, and that's how she's going to make her money going forward. Season four of the Orville, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. They need a I'm new helmsman. I'm almost finished with this. season three. I'm almost finished with season three. I love it. This is a lovely show. I, I'm very happy with this. Please. And I'm not a Seth MacFarlane guy. I normally hate everything he does. <laughs> if only several million other people would have been like you and watched this show. We would have a season oh, four by now. Let me tell you, midway through my binge, it moved from Hulu. Or it might still be there, but it, it joined Disney Plus, dropped all the commercials. Oh, baby, now we're yeah. just flying through this thing. <laughs> all the rest of us saw peons had to keep watching the same five ads over and over again. I, I, I genuinely wish my wish for streaming services is for the love of God, just. Just give more ads away for free, so I don't have to keep watching the same shit over and over again on all these things. Do you guys Mix have the issue your where you share? Do you guys have the issue where you like share? Um, you like share passwords for the, all these services, so your ads are like extremely confused. Yeah, because I'm getting like, I'm getting dick pills. I'm getting depression medication. Right. I'm getting Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm getting prep. (laughs) Yeah, that's like I'm getting every ad. Like I'm getting the combination of my wife's ads and then my dad's ads, where it's like all things that are probably on the Sean Hannity show at the same time as, you know, my (laughs) wife watching Below Deck on Bravo, and it's all combining (laughs) into this amalgam of just like it doesn't know what to do with me, so it just spits out a test pattern. Uh, YouTube has finally figured out that based on my, uh, soccer watching habits on YouTube, that I must be Hispanic and I only get Spanish <laughs> ads now. <laughs> Just, it's exclusively Spanish ads for me. That the kids ma- are very confused when they're watching things. It's that the, the telenovelas <laughs> that you're addicted to. Well, you know, of course <laughs> I did. I did have a period of time where like I was only watching, I think like pose on Hulu. So all of my ads were like, do you person, you personally know how hard it is to be like trans in the workplace. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Wasn't there, well, some, there was some I, thing- I'm learning about it, but I don't personally know. <laughs> there was some politician that, uh, some like super right wing, like, you know, red hat wearing politician that was like, Facebook needs to be banned. It keeps giving ads for sick things like this. And it was all like gay dating sites. <laughs> <laughs> and he like posted the yeah. screenshot on twitter and everyone was like uh bro that's... who's gonna who's gonna explain to him how algorithms work <laughs> i keep getting emails from the app hole <laughs> jesus good luck editing this podcast where the hell are we going 
It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, so. No segments, just free-flowing conversation in like 35 yeah. different directions. I mean, uh, we can talk about the post cases now. We can talk about the crew being late on rent for 10 bucks because that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I've been told by all of the media, the fake news media, that rent is skyrocketing around this country. I've read things yeah. on the Cincinnati subreddit about how hard it is to find an apartment. I mean, I've 30% seen, you know, up. Yeah, and, and yet somehow the fucking Columbus crew are playing for $10 for rent at lower lower.com. Not just a clever name. That rent is actually substantially lower than that's, I would have expected out of all this. That's a great mortgage they got there, and lower.com and should pat themselves on the back. And what I can't figure out is just like someone couldn't Venmo someone the 10 bucks. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's think about it this way though. Traditionally, the, you know, the the port authority, you you rent your, your whatever your your plot of land for a dollar a year for a hundred years. Ten dollars a year is a dramatic increase on the traditional you know port authority uh, rent. This is a a tenfold increase on the traditional bullshit rental agreement that these sports teams have. Their rent has gone up percentage yeah, wise. The, yeah, but the difference is that uh, FC Cincinnati paid for the stadium. The Columbus crew did yes. did not pay for the stadium in the first place. Although uh, Ten, how do you end up at ten dollars? So I don't the- I don't know, but imagine like watching like the musical rent and then there's a point in the like the third act where it's like like you need to pay your rent. Give me my ten dollars. And immediately like your loyalties flip. You're like, you're like, oh my god, these people, these people were just trying to ditch ten dollars, ten dollars. They just went out to dinner, like what? they bought all that stuff. What I love about there are so many parts of this story that I love, not the least of which is that there was a a wire transfer for the twenty dollars from one Huntington bank account to another Huntington bank account, and that was how they paid the rent. So when I said like, why didn't they just Venmo someone? They quite literally just Venmoed the rent. I what emoji do you think so, they put in that transaction for like soccer rent for an entire stadium? It just got to be the eggplant emojis. Yeah, eggplant peach. Do you? I mean, eggplant peach. What's the negotiation? State of Ohio. Does somebody say you should pay us twenty dollars a year, and they go, "No, it should be five. and then they meet somewhere in the middle at ten? Like, I just, it's a why not a hundred? They could afford a hundred. Why not a thousand? Like, why wouldn't you just keep keep going? Well, I think what's funny about it, too, is that part of the reason why the rent is so low, and I'm just going to read from the story right here because they just say so much better than I ever could from the dispatch. (laughs) Um, uh, Ginther and the other city officials promised residents that as part of the stadium deal, the state would, in effect, donate land adjacent to the training facility to the city for use as a city recreation park with playing fields and an indoor sports recreation building. That part of the agreement was the only piece that was never completed. So not only were they getting a sweetheart deal on the rent that they weren't paying, they didn't even do the thing that they had promised to do to get the $10 rent that they weren't paying. (laughs) There was also a fun quote in the article from somebody from the mayor's office where they were like, like, the dispatch asked the mayor's office uh, how much of the agreement the crew had done 
and uh, we received this response, and it was like, we're not so much focused on like all that stuff. We're focused on the <laughs> on the jobs. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was like a total misdirection. Yeah, it's like so I, the quote is, "Well, it's good the the crew flipped the authority to ten dollars in rent they owed. The city is more focused on the six point five million in tax revenue the crew's investments will help deliver annually." It's like, yeah, but they didn't pay uh-huh. the ten bucks, and that's kind of a dick move. And remember the uh, the the land set aside for the recreation park from a from another soccer blog book club that that is what they decided to build very far away from the city and by build we we come to learn that it was just renovating an existing soccer park to have yeah. fewer fields than it had before. Also, <laughs> I I would like a separate story on the tax revenue that they're supposedly getting because uh-huh. in the post COVID era of remote work, a lot of people who work in a city but are working from home and are not physically present in that city might not be paying city income taxes. And I know for a fact there's multiple lawsuits in Cincinnati uh, trying to claw back money that the city of Cincinnati collected from people who are working working remotely when their, like, quote-unquote office was technically within the city. And I guarantee the same thing is happening in Columbus. So when they put out that they're getting six and a half million dollars in tax revenue from these from these jobs created by the stadium. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think, I so. don't think so. Ooh, what if as a part of these stadium agreements that MLS is, is getting with these cities that there is a salary floor that the city is putting into the agreement that they need to keep the player payroll so high so that they can collect a certain percentage of payroll tax on them. So like your Stan Kroenke's can't get away by cheaping out on, on a roster. Like they, they are, you know, you have to average in the top five of MLS salary spending year over year for us to collect those payroll taxes. Or your, your front office <laughs> must employ so many people at a certain salary yes. in order to qualify for all this. And you've just got some dude whose only job is to like restock the billiards balls in the game room for the pl- the player lounge. And he's making like fifty k a year. It's like it's like uh, the the Denver uh, police pension is underfunded, so MLS needs to add a fourth DP. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, yes. also on this story, just is sort of like a, a coda to it. Like, how tight was the asshole of? puckered of the guy who was responsible for sending the ten dollar payment <laughs> when it was found out that you just didn't do it like well in fairness like, can you imagine to that how, guy how mad like the owner and the gm were that like you had one fucking job to do and that was to send these people 10 bucks that's it i, I will say in defense of the the guy who's responsible for sending the ten dollars he's probably a cleveland browns employee and had no idea that this was actually his job he he <laughs> thought he was in charge of payroll for the browns and somewhere somebody slipped in the owing oh, you gotta mail the city of columbus ten dollars a month right. I thought that hey, was hey jeff did you send that jeff did you <laughs> oh, send no. that columbus crew uh a rent check the the what what the 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 who from where <laughs> I don't even know what a Columbus crew is. Is that a a minor league team? How do you know that shit on auto pay? Like a $10 (laughs) auto pay every year. I thought, I thought a funny tidbit in the article was that like 
they can, they have the option in the contract of prepaying the rent with a That's one what time three hundred dollar three hundred dollar payment. And it's like you could pay them a grand and have your payments covered for like a hundred years. Yeah, pay them the life of the deal or whatever it is. Even if it's a hundred years, you're gonna come out okay. Like they got. Yeah. They have like they have uh they have like Watson's contract like so intricately structured so that his like suspension costs him like the least amount of money, and but they can't, they can't figure just this like out. they can't just pay like three Benjamins. Um, I did. I thought it was very very funny in the article when they referred to the twenty dollars as two Hamiltons. I just thought that was like a funny little little flourish that the. The writer threw in there. <laughs> like a, a true sign of the cultural relevance of the theater. Yes. <laughs> is that we're not referring to it as, you know, a, you know, one tenth of a Benjamin. No, they're two Hamiltons. We know who's on the $10 yeah. bill now. Yep. Out with the Benjamins, in with the Hamiltons. What's there the, what's the, the funniest, title of a fun piece? What's the funniest <laughs> amount of rent that they could be owed? I know the, the reflexively, mm. I want to say $69, but like, also, if it was like sixty nine cents, that might actually be funnier. Sixty nine cents is funnier. Yeah, or four four dollars twenty cents twenty dollars four dollars twenty cents sixty nine. What about a, what about if it was tree fitty? About tree fitty for rent. Tree fitty would be good. I'm trying to think like dosa Sarah. I'm trying to work that in somewhere. So is it two dollars? Is it twenty dollars? Uh, yeah, Do- twenty cents. So it's zero two. You know. <laughs> God, just the Columbus Cruise Stadium deal. Like the quarter. It, it's so much. It's Wasn't so much. Columbus on the quarter for, for a long time. I don't think Columbus has ever been on money, has he? Is I it? don't know, man. I haven't seen. I haven't seen like a like a like a U.S. It, currency in so long. This is this is honestly where I wish MLS was more popular because like it would be this if MLS was as popular as the NFL. This stadium deal would be the butt of every joke around the country that John Oliver would have a special on this already. And like, finally we would, you know, not be the poster child for worst stadium deal in America that we would finally have some competition on that. But since MLS is so under the radar in terms of national profile, this story just isn't getting the play uh, outside of soccer circles that it should, because this is objectively fucking funny. Oh God! Um, just to just to wrap us up and round us out with some topics here, Grayson, you you alluded to this. It, it bears mentioning here, but uh, some reporting out there that the Apple deal could include the implementation of a fourth designated player spot. Uh, this is an interesting story because this kind of goes against the grain of a lot of. MLS reporting recently that a lot of MLS owners don't like the DP rule. In fact, there was a serious consideration in the last couple of years of reducing DPs down to two and increasing the amount of allocation money. But I thought this was an interesting one. And and Chief, you brought this up before. Hard not to think uh, Apple wouldn't want some sort of guarantee of increase in quality of soccer, no? I mean, yeah. If you're spending this kind of money on MLS, it's not justified by the ratings. It's not justified by the number of people that follow the league or have season tickets to the league. And from Apple's perspective, they probably had to look at this and say, shit, with Ted Lasso, we're probably already capturing a solid, what, 20%, 25% of people that are American soccer fans anyway. 
that are at least aware yeah. and subscribing to our service when we're showing the most popular soccer TV show ever made in the United States. Um, yeah. I, I would be shocked if there wasn't some guarantee that the league had to offer Apple about what the league will do with this money that Apple is paying to increase quality of pl- uh, play, to increase the quality of players. Yeah, I mean, if I if you were Apple, wouldn't you want to know what the hell that you're going to spend all this money on so that we can be guaranteed we're getting some return on investment? Yeah, particularly names. I would want names if I'm Apple. Because they're in a, they're I, I in a, want they're in a different, followers. Yeah, they're in a different position than like the NBA and the NFL. Like there's when the when Fox pays the NFL a thirty billion dollars to show games, they don't have to say, "Well, we're worried that you won't use this money to get the best players possible." It's like no, where to quote uh, Phil Castellini, "Where else are they gonna go?" Um, right. Right. So yeah, I I would I would. MLS is unique among every other major sports property where they can actually go out and improve the quality of play in the league with money. You can't make the NBA any better with more money. You can't make the NFL any better with more money. Baseball, maybe you can spread the money around more so that more teams are spending more money. But at the end of the day, the best players in the world play in all those leagues anyway. MLS is the only one where I would want to plan – if I was going to invest significant capital in the league to say, tell me what I'm getting in terms of how you're going to be a better league at the end of this deal. So I think first of all, it's worth mentioning that like the reporting on the, on this fourth DP and Apple is like pretty specious. Um, it, it sounds it like, really it is. sounds like somebody might've talked to somebody who works for LA galaxy and said like, well, maybe we'll get a fourth DP out of this Apple deal. And the LA galaxy employee was like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like the old my cousin my 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 uncle works for Nintendo story that we all grew up with. Right. Yeah. But and it's and it is the LA Galaxy who probably have been told that they can sign a fourth DP. They just right. have to disguise it in some way. But um I, I do I, I do think that if there was some like specific roster request made by a TV we'll say TV or streaming company on the league, it would probably be a fourth DP because like Kevin said, you're that's how you get like a big that's how you get like a big name like more big names in the league but um i i think we would all agree that like if you were if you were interested in increasing quality of play across the league more allocation money or opening up the salary cap a bit is is how you do that because that lets you spread the money across the roster to have yeah. a higher average salary for your starters and more depth on your bench. Yeah. You know, so like if FC Cincinnati signed a fourth DP, you know, okay, we move junior Moreno to the bench. Right. And we have another DP midfielder and like, yeah, the team gets a lot better, but on the other hand, maybe you, improve junior Moreno's spot by $200,000. And then you add a couple of other pieces across the back line for another couple of hundred thousand dollars a piece. And that's a, like, that's a unit, right? Yeah. I, I'd even go as far as to say, there's a couple of other like smaller mechanisms you could play around with that I think would have pretty big effect. Uh, increase the number of international spots from eight to 12. 
uh, increase the minimum salary up to $300,000. Little moves like that where you have to – now your your pool of players that you're working with is much larger, and with salaries being that high, your you know your worst players on your team are now at that like yeah like uh, Junior Moreno level player and not a you know a, an academy kid that you you got in a trade because he fills out the back of the roster nicely like a Johnny Nelson or something like that. You you now have like real international caliber players make up the worst players on your team. Um, right. I mean, under, but, under yeah, any of those yeah. rules, a lot of players currently, it may, I could see the players association balking at some of these a bit because yeah, under like, if you raise the minimum salary to $300,000 with commensurate salary cap increases, or you increase the international roster spots uh, a lot, then the, like, Johnny Nelson becomes a USL player. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have interesting ramifications down the pyramid. I think the USL would get better overnight because they'd get all these bubble guys instantly. I'm trying to think of a way that like you can make it so the allocation list is automatically an additional DP when you add them. That like just something like cuz I feel like the where the untapped Ooh. potential is is bringing players that go overseas back to the United States while they are still in the ascendancy of their careers and not waiting to catch them on the back end. Like what would the salary mechanism be that brings Jeff Cameron back to MLS five years ago? Could you get just like some type of dispensation for bringing guys back on the allocation list? Yeah. That's like my thought would be like, like how do you, I don't know how you would do it. Like, so that the competitive balance doesn't get all wrecked with the allocation list being set by, um, where you are in the standings and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, well, yeah if but you like, can bring Christian Pulisic back, you should be free to bring Christian Pulisic back at whatever he wants. And if you don't have the DP spot to do it, that's okay. He's an allocation player. You can break the bank bringing him back because it's better for the league to bring the best American players back to MLS. Right. And like, it I'd expand it to, to have like Matt Miazga just come back. Yeah. That right? we wouldn't yeah. have to worry about this. Like, how do we fit him in? It's like, yeah, just bring him back. And expand it to U.S., Mexico, and Canadian players. If you can bring back Mexican stars, if you can bring back your Kyle Larens or Alfonso Davies earlier in their career, way right. better. So, way so better you're saying MLS. the allocation list will be populated by people um, who like were high-dollar transfers out of the league plus Liga um, MX, select MX. Yeah. Mexican and national caps team, for national the team, three US national teams. Team yeah. Players. yeah, yeah, that they makes sense. They should have they should have negotiated this into the NAFTA replacement, the Canada Mexico trade agreement, <laughs> where all nationals of the United States, Canada, and Mexico also count as nationals in the various soccer leagues as well. It actually it has been a huge stumbling block for MLS trying to count Canadians as foreign players for some teams and domestic players on other teams. And I know they've, they've run into all sorts of fun uh, U.S. labor laws about being able to classify certain people as foreign players and whatnot. And it gets even weirder when they come up through academies and move teams. Uh, they're trying to keep those homegrown designations. It, it gets really, really wonky. So, well, you can have yeah, special they, rules. They honestly like, could have if the right people talked to the administration about it. <laughs> yeah, you so – so the, the, the problem is you could have special rules for people with, like, 
citizenship or like legal work authorization in the U.S., which is why like green card players can be um, domestic. Right, right. But you can't say like people of this national origin get preference for employment. Origins, so like yeah. Canada, you can't just say Canadian players are going to be all domestic because that's national origin discrimination. You could give them a fast track green card that if what's more American if they have a special that, that's, talent that's up to the U.S. State Department, right? What's more the American than some good out. national origin discrimination, though? I mean, that's just you know, <laughs> we'd be including Mexicans. You know, it's it's right. It's diversity. Come I mean, on. It, it, I mean, for trade purposes, it doesn't matter where you build the car between Mexico, the United States, and Canada. Like, and what are soccer players but a commodity to be bought and sold? You know, if if the libertarian right wasn't just so terrified of a one-world government, we could have had a North American Union by now, and we could have all just been citizens of uh, NAFTA, and it would have been great. <laughs> all rise for the NAFTA national anthem. We could have merged League MX by now. Come on. It's, think, think of the utopia. Yeah, the national anthem is Timmy <laughs> Trumpet, and it's electric. It's narcos. <laughs> Oh gosh! Uh, we winning this weekend. We're gonna do this, right? Yeah, we're gonna do decision it. Decision day, do baby. It. We're gonna do it. <laughs> it's like we've talked about everything adjacent to soccer, just because it's I. The thought of losing just I dwell on it for more than thirty seconds, and I get nervous about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <sighs> the good news is there's plenty of scenarios where even if we lose. We get into the playoffs now. I would not be very hopeful about that playoff game, but it would just be fun to be well, there. Well, right. there's, and... there's three scenarios. Okay. Right? I mean, there's Columbus wins, Orlando wins, they tie. Because we're going to win no matter what. Well, no, but like, whatever we do. No, if, everybody... if they tie and we lose, we're out. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. oh, it's okay, like, there's okay. only like three things that can happen. I mean, we're going to oh, right. win, lose, or draw. But the what what that means depends on one of one of three outcomes. Right. This is like that. This is some like wire shit where it's like there's really only two days: the day you go in and the day you get out. Like, <laughs> my problem is is that I saw a tweet earlier. We win today. or we lose. I saw a tweet earlier today <laughs> where there are eight scenarios where everything is okay, and a ninth where there isn't. Remember the nine. Oh man. <laughs> Okay. What what date is this game again? October 9th. October 9th. Oh Jesus dear Christ. god. <laughs> I wish I, I I'm feeling like that guy from the from that episode of uh the the uh uh Nathan Fielder uh re- rehearsal <laughs> where I'm just like doing like numerology just like right. seeing nines everywhere. Right. The number 23 movie. Right. It's a great great movie. <laughs> Let's do some Steiner math here. Oh and if we win, we would have 49 points ah jesus christ oh, man 49 that's seven times seven there's seven sacraments in the catholic church seven circles of hell <laughs> send help please <laughs> yeah so if there wasn't an uh, ffc tie for people this weekend it's because we are losing our goddamn minds this is this is a scary spot to be can in. you imagine how fun these off-season episodes are going to be that we're planning on doing <sighs> what if we win though what if we win five nothing and we are like fucking jacked going into this playoff and we're like we're gonna fucking win the whole goddamn thing. no the, the scenario i'm really looking forward to legitimately <laughs> is that they have sent the email out about home playoff tickets 
And there is like really only one scenario where we host a playoff game, and that's if everything goes to hell and somehow we as like the sixth seed end up hosting the seventh seed in like yes. the Eastern Conference Finals. And like that's that's it. <laughs> I love it. Or like we're, we're hosting an MLS right. cup. We yes. host MLS cup as a seventh seed because the other seventh seed has like lower. somehow is that even possible? Is our team with wins would still be the tiebreaker for that, right? I think it goes to the supporter shield standing, and I think uh, we're higher than the seventh place team in the West. I mean, we'll see what happens after Sunday. Because we'd have but... we'd beat we'd win on points theoretically because the seventh seed yeah. in currently in the West they might top out at like forty five. Theoretically, oh, we'd have them. we'd have we'd them. Have them. Yeah. So that like our first home playoff game would be MLS Cup, which would just be ob- <laughs> oh objectively as objectively absurd. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine all the stuff thrown on the field at the after the first foul call in that game. <laughs> oh god! We just been waiting for it the entire time. Like we got a lot of things to tell you people. <laughs> oh god! What yeah. if it's Portland? I think they're in that running. Uh, it, oh, God. Portland has 46 points, but okay. and they also only have 11 wins, and we have a better goal differential than them. So, yes, theoretically speaking, if Portland is the seventh seed on 46 points, <laughs> assuming we don't – there's so much going on right here. But, yes. If we win, we could host Portland in MLS Cup final. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> What a disaster. Let's get out of here before we do any more math. Uh, Hey, Caleb, fuck Columbus and shh.